0: This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional, and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 150 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key, and I can't believe we've made it to 150. Seems like yet another big round milestone to reach in this whole podcasting thing. 150 episodes. Now, if you're new to listening, make sure you go back and listen to some of the old ones. There's some good stuff there. Um, There's a lot of information. If you're new, take your time and go through it. Find the episodes that appeal the most to you um, and have a listen. All right. We are in our Kickstart challenge series that I'm sharing with you on this podcast. These are live recordings from my Weight Loss Kickstart Challenge that I ran. And today's episode is a really good one. It's a QA and a session. So it's me answering questions that I'd gotten uh, from the Facebook group about uh, common concerns, common difficulties that people were struggling with and they wanted help with. So there's some really good uh, stuff in here. Uh, I encourage you to listen to the whole uh, recording, the whole episode, so that you can get the benefit I know that if the physicians in the Facebook group are struggling with this stuff and there were these broad themes, you probably are too, or at least you've experienced it. So there's a ton of information in this episode for you. Make sure you listen to the whole thing. Now, I also wanted you to know today is the last day for registration in Stress Eating SOS for the fall group. Doors close tonight at midnight. It's your last chance. Uh, If you're on my email list, you would have gotten an email, but if you register today, uh, you will get access to an extra bonus, which is exciting for your the final day. You will get access to a brand new program that I've created called the Catalyst Program. I'm really proud of this. This is a daily audio motivational um, tract, like motivational snippets, short audio segments that you can listen to every day. For 30 days to help really keep your mind in the game. This is one of the biggest things that come up when we're starting to coach with new people is they find it super beneficial, but then find it hard to stay focused on the changes they're trying to make with their thoughts and their thinking uh, once they get into their busy days, busy weeks. The Catalyst program is made so that you can have a bit of focus every morning from me. You have something else to focus on with a very slight bit of homework to think about throughout the day to keep you focused on where you want to go. I think it's really cool. I think it's going to be really helpful. Uh, and you can have access if you join Stress Eating SOS today, but only today. Uh, so head over to weightsolutions forward slash SOS. If you're thinking about joining the next group, Just know the next group is not until January. Uh, That's a long time to wait if you're really struggling with this. And if you're like I was putting a ton of mental energy into figuring this out and trying to get yourself to eat healthy, but not understanding why it can feel so hard, it's a long time to wait. And so I would encourage you to consider joining us in this group. It will change your life, I promise. Um, and there's very little risk to joining. Check out the page at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS for more information. All right, let's get to the recording for all the Q&A. Like I said, there's some really good stuff in here, Uh, really common questions, some common challenges that I think we all face. Check it out. And then let me know which one you found most helpful. Send me an email, info at physicians.ca. All right, let's get to the session. All right, good morning, Happy Friday. I hope that your Fridays are nice and relaxed, and hopefully not too many of you are on call for the weekend, so you can actually enjoy your Friday All right. If you are watching on Zoom as we go along, if you have questions, you can type them into the chat. It's sometimes easier there's not too many people on Zoom right now, but it's sometimes easier if you put them in the q and a just because then They stay. I don't lose them in the chat if there's a lot of stuff going back and forth. If you're watching on Facebook, then um, just type your questions in the comments as we go. I've got both screens open. So if you see me looking over there, I'm just looking at the Facebook comments. Um, And then let's get going. Okay. Type into the chat or the comments and tell me kind of where you're joining from. Tell me we're halfway through. How are things going? Are you starting to? Feel a bit of shifts about how you're approaching your weight loss. Have you had any wins? Type something into the chat and just let me know how it's going for you. Now, I've got some questions that I took from the Facebook group uh, that you guys have been posting since yesterday that I'll go through. Uh, But if you have your own questions, then type them in so that we can uh, make sure that you get all the answers you want, right? Get what you're wondering about, I uh, answered so you can get help no such thing as a dumb question no such thing as a question you shouldn't ask um no such thing as a question that you should already know the answer for because i probably would i bet i would have a different answer than what you might come up with if you think that you should just have the answer and that's settled, like our physician thinking of we should just know how to do this thinking, but it gets us into trouble. It keeps us isolated. And when you're isolated, A, it is harder to do the work. It's harder to figure it out because you're doing it in a little bubble. You can't make use of other people's experiences. Plus, when you're isolated, along with isolation often comes shame. It often comes like I you know, I should have figured this out. I shouldn't be struggling with this. And that shame actually keeps you stuck where you are. The shame is a big thing that stops you from act- making those changes that get you where you want to go. Um, so that's where giving yourself permission, even if it feels uncomfortable to talk about your weight, even if it feels, um, you know, almost risky to talk about it, I really do think Opening it up, talking about it can be really powerful, uh, especially if you struggle with binge eating. Um, with some of the, the people I've worked with with binge eating, usually you never told anybody that you have binge eating. Um, you never talk about it; you keep it hidden. Sometimes, when you start talking about it with say people in your life, it actually helps it get better because it becomes less of this like shameful thing. I know that's more of an extreme example, but I wanted to bring that up. I want to remind you guys about the friend uh the friend giveaway. So bringing a friend, inviting somebody who you think might benefit from this information. And now I do wonder if the whole like sort of physician isolation and shame thing uh gets a little bit in the way of inviting friends too, because not too many people are actually in that giveaway so far. So your chances of winning are really good. But again, I would encourage you because if you're feeling isolated and you know you have a friend who's like figuring out their weight They probably also are feeling isolated. They probably also have that shame. So inviting them in and so that both of you can start to find creative from that, I think is really powerful. Um, nice. And so, Michelle, I'm just reading your chat, uh, on Zoom, uh, that you worked overnight. You did okay delaying till morning and, uh, just drank till 6 a.m. So you did your whole shift without eating, uh, which is something we've, you've kind of worked on over time, I think, right? Uh, and uh, then had a really good salad. Nice. Good work. Okay. Let's start with uh, the questions from Facebook. Uh, again, as we go along, you come up with questions, just type them in. So from Amanda, the question of planning, when you can't plan. Okay. So we've all had these weeks or days, right? Where you're, everything goes out the window, where you can't have time to like, do anything for yourself. So, how do you actually plan in those weeks? How do you stick to your healthy plans? Because what would often happen for a lot of us is you, you know, you start, you've got a week or more under your belt of feeling like you're on plan, you're building momentum, things are going well. And then all of a sudden, a certain week, a certain day hits, and it feels like it all goes out the window. All the old habits come back. Now, number one, it's really important to know that. When the old habits come back, nothing went wrong. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just our brains default when they're under stress to what is familiar for them, what has they think has worked in the past. So when you're under a really stressful week or days or whatever time period it is, your brain will kind of default back to what's comfortable for it, or it will suggest defaulting back. That's okay. I think it's a big thing to just notice when this happens. And really be curious. And this is a theme when I talk about weight and eating that you hear a lot of is you just need to really find the space to be curious about why you eat the way you do. So if you have one of these weeks where it feels like it all goes sideways, really being curious about why is it that it went sideways? Where did it first start to go sideways? What was going on? Now, here's the interesting thing is your brain is going to go well. This happened and this happened and I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. It's going to give you a lot of different reasons. What I want you to notice is probably where it started to become really hard to stick to your eating is related to some thoughts. It'll be thoughts about how busy you are, thoughts about how you don't have any time. That's a really big one for me still that I work on is on those busy weeks, my brain starts getting into, I don't have time. There's too much to do. A really comfortable place for my brain to go, um, and that then, if I believe those thoughts, then that leads can lead me to old eating habits. The trick here is building the skill of noticing the thoughts, but not necessarily buying into them. So noticing what your trigger thoughts are on those really busy weeks, and then starting to question them or build plans around them. So Amanda on in the Facebook group, I wrote in um, basically the way I would suggest is plan for these weeks. So the fact that these weeks exist is predictable. Like how many of these weeks have we had in our lives? Like far too many to count. So the fact that you will have more weeks where it feels like you can't plan, where it feels really chaotic, that in itself is predictable. So then what we do is we plan for that. I'm a really big Um, proponent and believer of planning for the specific obstacles that you know you will face. We often, when we plan, uh, we often plan for the um, sort of ideal situation. We are, you know, again, high achievers. We set our really high standards for ourselves. So we plan of like, okay, I'm going to be perfect. And this is what perfect would look like. And so that's what I will plan. However, What is really more powerful is planning for the times where you're not perfect, where your life isn't perfect. How would you plan for those chaotic weeks? Now, this might mean you plan, okay, on those really busy weeks where I feel like I have nothing, like no time to cook. What is the bare minimum stuff that I can do? What, Where would I get my food if I wanted to get through one of those really busy weeks and still feel like I was on plan? And maybe it's you do a bit of like sort of investigation. Uh, I, I really like this and I encourage all of you guys to do this because we will all have times where we feel like we're too busy to cook. Look at the restaurants that are around you, pull up their menus and go, okay, if we're like really short on time and we needed and we were eating out, we were getting takeout, what would I order from this restaurant? What could I find on this restaurant that would work for me? And write these down and make a list. Go into your grocery store with the eye of what would be really quick that I can grab from here and we can eat right away that would work for me and that I would enjoy. Build that um, what's uh, like kind of almost a library of options. Because in the moment when life is really busy, your brain is telling you you have no options, except, well, if you have my brain, <laughs> what it would be saying is you have no options but fast food. It, the only option would be to go through a drive through is what my brain would tell me for years. And this skill is developing a library of other options and then questioning when your brain starts telling you there's no other options. Be like, well, is the fast food really faster? Or if I'm going to fast food, does it really mean I have to order what I usually order? Or could I go to fast food and order a salad? Would I be okay with that? If the salad on its own's not enough, Would adding extra protein to it make it enough? Like, there's so many different things, but the difference is in how you're asking your brain for options. Your brain tells you there are no options, and that's like a brick wall. There's you can't. You just keep butting up against it. There's not no way through it. What this is is you're asking yourself, "What would be the other options?" You're opening up that brick wall to start looking and start seeing where there's other options. The other piece of this, and this is a bigger piece, but it it really is important is and why I started with how do you think when you're going through these weeks, what are the thoughts that really set you off and really trigger this? Because noticing those thoughts, coming up with thoughts in these busy weeks that actually work for you better and help calm your brain down. Because if we have thoughts that kind of calm our brain down in the midst of busyness, then it becomes easier to make these choices. Often our thoughts are just kind of amping us up and up and up and up. And I say this with a lot of experience: of you can have the same busy day. You can be on call or whatever your busy is. And if you have the set of thoughts that are kind of default of it's super busy, I don't have time. I'm not gonna get through all this. Um, I'm not getting my work done, you know, whatever those thoughts are, it will give you. Feelings. Type in the chat. Like when you have those days and you're thinking those thoughts, how do you feel? What does that feel like to you? To me, it feels like it produces anxiety. I start to feel hectic. I start to feel frantic. Um, and then that then like creates its own things. The you can have the exact same day, have different thoughts. So for me, the thoughts that I've used um, are everything that needs to get done will get done. I'm just going to focus on this one thing and do one thing at a time. Um, sometimes it's a thought of like, I don't have to fix this. Because <laughs> like, sometimes my what I'm already feeling frantic, my brain will start looking at all the other things that makes is wrong, like in the practice, at work, at home, and want to fix it all. And that then creates more of that anxiety, more of the busyness, more of the feeling like you have no time. And so sometimes a thought for me is, I don't have to fix this. This isn't mine to fix. Uh It can be calming. And so you can have the same day, use different thoughts. The day will feel entirely different. Even if you see the same number of patients, even if you, uh you know, do the same amount of call, get called in the same, how you think about it will totally change your experience. And then that makes it easier for you to then put in place these other plans that we're talking about. Okay, hope that helped. Amanda, if you're watching on the on the Facebook Live, or if you watch the replay, type in if you have any additional questions. Yelena, um, I uh, had a question about craving sugar when you're on call and sleep deprived, which I think is fantastic. How many of you guys do call? Uh, because this is a unique, uh, unique physician thing, right? Is the you're on call and you get up and you keep going, <laughs> you don't get to sleep you you know you get up and you've got other stuff you have to do maybe you have to keep working maybe you're still on call right like some of us do multiple days of call um and so figuring out if you want to lose weight and keep it off and you're doing call really figuring this out so that you can uh find solutions at work now i did a on call masterclass and i believe if you go onto my website under resources so weightsolutionsforpositions.ca under the resources tab, I believe you can watch the replay of that on-call masterclass. Um, I'm not 100% sure if we put that one up there, but I think we did. Anyways, so you might want to check. If it's not there, let me know and um, we can uh, uh, maybe do something about it. But Anyways, being on-call and being sleep-deprived is unique. When you are sleep-deprived, there are real physiological changes that happen. Your brain craves food. Your hunger hormones go up. Plus, there's the emotional side of there's this discomfort of being tired. And so our brains crave comfort and are looking for comfort, which is often food. I think the biggest thing when you're on call is when those cravings come, acknowledge them as being normal. Again, we can make our cravings mean something's going wrong and we did something wrong, but that doesn't help us. Especially post-call when you're having a whole lot of food cravings, that's normal. That's physiological. Um, and so just acknowledging, of course I'm having all these food cravings. I didn't sleep last night. I've had interrupted sleep for however many nights. Of course I'm gonna have more food cravings. And then what I found really helpful is relabeling it, reframing what those cravings mean. So to me, they used to mean eat, like I would, you know, go to McDonald's, drive through for breakfast post-call before I went home to sleep. And it would just kind of go from there. It would be like, okay, let's eat all this stuff to feel better. What I've reframed it to mean and taught myself over time is that that's, it doesn't work. The cravings are there because of a lack of sleep. You can eat everything in the world and it will not fix the lack of sleep. And I think all of us who have done call and tried to eat to fix it, Know this, like you can eat a whole lot of food post call and you can still feel like crap. You can still feel tired, draggy, fuzzy headed, all that stuff because the food can't fix it. So starting to reframe it that when the food cravings come, what, what it means is not that you need to eat. It does not mean that the food will fix the discomfort you're feeling. It means you're tired and it means that your focus should be when able to, to go to sleep. Even if that means you say no to other stuff, right? Like maybe this is, a, I think, an important thing post-call is really look at what you're doing post-call. Does it truly need to be done post-call? This is something I've been working on. It was kind of my New Year's resolution of, if I'm up in the night doing a delivery, do I really need to be back in the office the next day seeing you know elective prescription refills, uh, diabetic reviews, things like that, that don't have to actually be seen that day? No, it's silly that I do and that that I've done that for my career. And so I've been working on recognizing when I'm sleep deprived, the priority is that I sleep. I will deal with emergencies. I will deal with things that truly need to be seen that day. But elective stuff, I can see it on a day when I've actually slept. And so looking at it, like, are there meetings you're going to post call? Are there other things that you could say, you know what, I'm not doing it this time. I'm going to go sleep instead because that's the bigger priority. Um, at finding moments where you can sleep another thing that I've done post call um, more in the last years which has helped is I used to always think well if I'm gonna sleep I need to go home to sleep and then I recognize you know that driving time if I've got a little window to sleep that driving time takes out of my sleeping so I do more sleeping at the hospital in the call room as uncomfortable as that usually is because then I get more sleep and sometimes post-call even if nothing's going on but I'm really tired I'll just go sleep in the call room to so that I sleep before anything else it's all about kind of shifting priorities so the the food cravings post-call the food cravings when you're sleep deprived are normal they're physiological label them as that don't make them mean you're doing something wrong and then start to notice they aren't actually like following those cravings won't fix what's bothering you The other piece that I really like to notice is following those cravings may actually make it worse. When you eat a whole bunch of sugar and carbs, what's your energy level like? How do you feel? I know for me, what like I started to notice, yeah, like I'd really like to eat that food, but actually that food is going to make me feel more tired and better off fasting if I need to and drinking water than eating that food. I'll have more energy today. And so really playing with it, noticing, and all of this, of course, is done with a really kind and compassionate way, guys, so that you're not, um you're not jumping all over yourself. Okay, hope that helps. Uh Moving on, Rachel was setting goals in a way that's kind, that doesn't set you off when you don't reach them. So... This is super common too, right, guys? You set a goal of losing weight, you don't make it, and then, or you don't think, sometimes it's not even that you don't make it, sometimes it's you don't think you're going to make it. And then that sets up, um, you know, thoughts of failure, and you, then you swing the other way, and you just kind of give up. I think this is a really good question. So how do you do both? How do you hold goals without then getting, after yourself and beating yourself up if you don't make them and this is how I've come to think about goals is I think goals are good I think setting goals are great attaching and hanging all your worth on a goal not so great and so this is how I think about it is when we set a goal it's really like a something for us to aim for we're going in that direction when we're setting a weight goal, we often think, well, like it's an absolute goal that, okay, if I set this weight goal, I must then for therefore reach that goal or I've failed. It's like very black and white thinking, right? I rather think that you set the goal and it's like you've set a target up for yourself. That's now going to help you move in a general direction. You know which way you're going. You also need to set up why you have that goal and really come up with reasons why you want to go in that direction. And then as you get closer to it, then you hone it. Now this can, you can use this to refer to the actual numbers that you're aiming for, or you can refer to the time frame that you're doing it in. As you get closer, like when you set an initial goal, really you're guessing on how it's going to go. You're setting a goal to start moving you in a direction, but, and you're guessing how long you want to take to get there. But we don't actually have direct control over what our bodies do with weight. We, and this comes to um, Joanne's question about midlife eating, which we'll talk about too. We have control over what we eat and what type of exercise we do. But those inputs kind of go into this black box of our body. And within that, our body decides, you know, what fuel it burns, what it's, metabolic rate is going to do, how much energy it burns during the exercise, uh, how much it's going to turn up or down your hunger hormones to try to trigger further eating. Like There's all these different things. Our, Our weight and appetite systems are very complex in our bodies. So it's like this black box. We put input in on one end, our body has a black box that we have no control over, and then it gives us the output, which is body composition changes, scale changes, and things like that. When we think that we can decide how much weight we're going to lose and what time frame, we're kind of assuming we have control over this black box and we don't. And the problem here is say you're you know, following a plan and you're being careful with it. You're being really consistent with it. And then you think, well, it's not working because I'm not losing weight fast enough. And then what happens is you stop following the plan, right? But maybe with your black the black box that you have in your particular body, all you needed to do was just keep following it consistently to eventually get the output that you want. Maybe the time frame wouldn't be the same as what you thought it would be, but ultimately the output might have been if you could stay consistent. This is one of the biggest mistakes we make and something I do a lot of coaching around in stress eating SOS is the messing ourselves up by thoughts of failure. So it's a total thought error of, This isn't happening fast enough. It's not working. Therefore, I'll go back to what I was doing before. When we know what we were doing before didn't work, we know it didn't give us the results that we wanted because that's why we started doing something different. So noticing that thought error when it's coming up for you in relation to goals. View goals like this. If you set off and tell yourself, I'm going to do a road trip. I'm going to drive to Vancouver for me as an example then I'm thinking, how long does it take to get to Vancouver? About eight hours. I'm not thinking at that time when I start the road trip, okay, I need to get to like 2738 West 4th Avenue in Vancouver. That's not what I'm thinking about when I start that road trip. I'm thinking really about getting to Vancouver as an entity. This is how I like to think about goals is when you start, you think, more globally, you know, where do you want to go? Roughly where? And then as you get closer, like on the road trip analogy, once you get into the city, then you start aiming for okay, which highways am I going to take? Where, where am I going to turn off to get to the specific spot you want to go? You refine it as you go. Same thing with goals. But the biggest thing, the biggest tripping hazard is telling yourself you're not, it's not working. So say you're driving to Vancouver, you hit some construction, it delays you a little bit. You stopped for a longer lunch than what you thought. And originally you thought it was going to take about eight hours. And now you're looking at it's going to be like nine and a half. Does that mean you stop your trip? Does that mean you're like, well, it's not going to work. So I'll turn around and go back. That's essentially what we do with weight goals. No, you're just like, okay, it's taking me longer than I thought. I'll phone the people that are expecting me, tell them it's just taking a bit longer, but I'm still coming. I'm figuring out this traffic. I'm going to figure out these detours. This is like so true in your weight loss journey. Okay. Next is uh, Stacy's question about the one off plan food and the spiral it creates, which I think is such a great question. That whole idea that, you know, you make one food choice and then it spirals into others and others and others. And eventually you end up, you know, just way down the path, totally off plan, maybe regaining some weight. Um, I think this is a really good Uh, want to talk about and so the the place to focus where where you guys think you need to focus is going to be on the food you're like okay i just have to figure out how not to eat that next food how to just you know you i need more willpower to not eat that food i have a totally different place for you to focus the place that creates the spiral is how you think about the food you've eaten So if you're thinking that you have messed up, if you're thinking that, um, you know, you're thinking that you're going to now spiral, if you're thinking that, um, you're making it mean all this stuff about you with negative thoughts, that's what creates the spiral. So how you think about how you eat matters. As much as possible, no matter what you eat, find thoughts that work for you that make you feel in control of it. If you can be feeling in control or neutral about any food choice, then it becomes so much simpler to just go back to your normal, go back to what you are working on eating consistently. One food choice, two food choices, even a day or a couple of days of food choices will not derail a long term weight loss plan. What derails the long term weight loss plan is the thoughts about what you make those food choices mean, because then that creates more food choices and more derailment. You can, you know, be losing weight and sometimes eat food that doesn't help you lose weight. And if you just focus on just getting back to your normal, getting back to what's actually working for you, enjoy the food you choose to eat. Because this, this is the other thing, right, guys, is often when we eat food and we're thinking we should not be eating food, this comes to the whole idea of having like somebody else's food rules and why I don't tell you guys what to eat. When we think we, uh, we're we eating food we shouldn't be eating, we usually don't enjoy it when we're eating it. You know, What do you do when you're eating, say, a bag of chips and you think you shouldn't be having it? Well, you kind of eat them pretty quick and you're not like thinking, oh, these are fantastic, I love these. You're just eating them almost, it's almost like we eat them before our brain notices that we've eaten them, right? Um, And so you don't actually enjoy the food you're choosing to enjoy. And I think that's a real shame. I think we deserve to enjoy whatever we eat. And by taking away your food rules, now that doesn't mean that you don't, that you eat anything you want. It just means that if you decide you want to eat something, you are allowed to give yourself permission to eat it without feeling guilty. You can decide that you are just making a choice and your next choice is going to be to get back to your normal. All of that is okay. That becomes a far more empowered approach to approach food. Plus, You are more likely to enjoy the food that you're eating. And when you enjoy and you get satisfaction from the food you're eating, when you're not doing it mindlessly and just kind of hurry up so you don't notice that you're eating it, you're, I find that you're less likely to then want another serving or more because you've actually given yourself permission to enjoy it and appreciate it while you ate it. Um, so those are a couple things about kind of that food spiral. The other thing I would say too, just, and again, this is a big topic, but um just to think about is if you find, okay, I'm working on speaking nicely to myself about the food I ate. I'm working on just focusing on getting back to my normal. And yet this keeps happening. I would, again, not look at the food. I would look at what's going on in my days right now. What am I thinking about? How am I feeling during my days? I would, if it keeps happening repetitively, it's not about the food. It's going to be about some sort of stressor or something that you then need to work on um, and manage that before it ever becomes about the food, which will then make it easier to, you know, just have these episodes occasionally and feel more in control when they do happen. All right. Any questions about that so far? We're covering a ton of information here, guys. If you have questions, type it into the comments or type it into the chat on in the Zoom. Okay. Post-menopausal slash midlife eating and weight loss. All right, here we go. So back to that black box analogy that I was talking to you guys about. Um, One of the things, there are things that happen to us as females when we go through menopause. Um, And, you you know, I know there's some of you in this group too that are dealing with the chronic illness. This relates as well, right? Right. Uh, especially if you're on medications that might cause weight gain, it's all related. When we go through menopause, our things change. Our metabolism changes. Uh, our muscle mass starts to decrease, which then impacts our metabolism. There are specific changes that happen in, uh, in that perimenopause, menopause as we start to lose our estrogen. And it does become harder to lose weight. That does not mean it's impossible to lose weight what it means is this black box is changing and that's what you're describing in your question joanne is your inputs that used to work to give you the right give you the outputs that you wanted don't work anymore it's because somebody changed what's in your black box so it takes either adjusting things a little bit and i don't know what style of eating you follow i can't remember Um, so for example, if you are following a lower carb diet and you're wanting to lose weight postmenopausally, often you do need to be a little bit more careful with your fats, um, that it's, you, there's not as much room for adding a lot of extra fat. So often, you know, having the naturally occurring fats, but maybe not adding extra, uh, that can help. Um, what it's going to take is a little bit of fiddling and refinement, and patience, because you can change the inputs, but maybe all it is that's changed in your black box is the t- duration that it takes for you to see the results is longer. That's very possible. Like what you used to do to have you lose weight, it might work that you do that, but you just need to do it longer to see weight loss happen. Uh, giving yourself permission that you you will be patient with it, I think, is really powerful. I work with a lot of um women who are postmenopausal in my obesity medicine uh program. And again, they they have lost like large, large amounts of weight, but it's been being patient. It's been, you know, pauses for weeks and then a little bit and then pauses, but it's added up to like I'm thinking of one where it's added up to she's almost at the hundred pound mark with being patient. Now, it brings up the, okay, say you're doing what has previously worked. You're being really patient, and it really isn't resulting in any weight loss. Well, here's the thing is tweak what you're doing. Don't change everything. In weight loss, we've been taught to think in absolutes. We've been taught to think it all has to change. That gets in our way because we don't then find out what truly works for us. So if what's worked in the past isn't working now, look at it and see, are there a couple of variables that you could change? Is it like timing of eating, like maybe a little bit of a longer fast? Is it portion sizes? Is it reducing the amount of fat, extra added fat in your meals? Um, is it reducing the amount of carbs you're eating? It doesn't matter what you choose. It's finding something that you're okay with that feels good for you to choose to change. And you tweak one or two things and then you give your body time to, to see if it's going to work. That's the approach. There's no magic. Like people will tell you oh, to lose weight post-menopausally. This is what you need to do. Again, I don't think that actually exists. That's not like, that's what their opinion is. I think it's far more powerful for you to figure out what actually works for you in your body uh, as you go through menopause and all the changes. Uh, The other question that you asked was, um, you know, dealing, working on your own eating without creating issues for your kids? And I thought this was a really good question because it comes up a lot in stress eating SOS. We we are so worried we're going to destroy our children with our own eating and weight issues. And that can be both sides. It can be worrying that they're going to see us making choices to not eat certain foods and, you know, take that on and end up with their own struggles. Or it can be the other side where we worry they're going to see us making poor choices or what we feel are poor choices, and then they also are going to you know develop habits of making those poor choices. What I really think, and I, I spend a lot of time thinking about this because I do have three kids, my husband and I do eat low carb the kids don't eat low carb, um, but they're old enough now that they know we eat stuff differently um and so I've done a lot of thinking about how do i um you know, deal with this with the kids. Number one, I think with our own children, like if it's worrying about how they are going to eat down the road, we as parents actually have no control over that. We have control over what we can model. We have control over the messaging that we send about food and eating. Um, but we don't have control over what they do with it. And so I think that's really important to not take ownership um of potential issues, or if any of your kids are struggling with eating, um, not taking ownership for it. Because right from, you know, age of one and a half, two, our kids were taking ownership for their eating, right? We can choose what we put in front of them, but you can't make a kid eat something they don't want to eat. Um, And so the, giving yourself permission that you actually don't have control over what your kids eat, you can, modify certain things, but what they actually eat. And especially when they get older, where they're out of the house more, you really can't control what they're eating. So where it comes the important place is focusing on the messaging. So no matter what you're choosing to do with your eating, I really believe you need to be happy and okay with it. It needs to feel like it's coming from a good place for you. And we've talked about that in some of the other stuff is that um, We want to do this weight loss process, treating ourselves kindly, treating ourselves uh, with respect, with compassion and for our best interest. This isn't about just kind of, you know, forcing yourself to eat a certain way to fit into some sort of ideal of your body. It's about living your best life and losing weight if that's part of what your best life is. Eating healthy if that's what you feel is part of your best life. And I think if you're modeling that type of thinking that, you know what, I'm choosing to not eat that food because it just doesn't work well with my body. I feel better if I focus on eating these foods. I think that's very positive messaging to send to the kids. It doesn't have to be, I can't eat that because I'm trying to lose weight. You may choose to not have that messaging with your kids. Um, Or if you do, again, you might want to talk about why, why you're working on that, why it's important to you. From a place of honoring yourself as an individual. Because your kids may down the road want to lose weight and having a good idea of why you would do that and how you would approach it from a place of honoring yourself as an individual rather than just because you think you're not enough at your current size. And I know that, you know, a lot of us deal with that of like feeling that we're not enough in some way because of our eating or our weight. And that's something we deal with a lot in stress eating. So, as we coach around a lot, because it's real, like you really are enough. Uh, uh, You guys are all amazing people. You help a lot of people. We are enough, no matter what size, no matter what shape, no matter what jiggles, no matter you know what things are on our body that we don't like. We are enough, and if you can start there, that really actually helps your long-term weight loss journey. And it's going to be really good messaging for your kids. So if that you are enough piece, no matter what size you are, is difficult for you, that might actually be a place to work because it's going to help in your messaging to your kids. Our kids see stuff that we don't actually say, right? And so you could say, I'm eating this way because I feel my best. But if you're really eating a certain way because you feel like you're not actually enough right now and they're still going to pick up on that right and so that's where doing that work number one that work is important for you and um it's my like real big passion to try to help women physicians feel like they are, are enough because it's a bit of an epidemic that we have in our profession um so it's really important for you but i think for the how you model for kids and what kids pick up about your food choices They'll pick up on that kind of stuff behind it. And if you do that work, it's going to help you. That's a huge, big, big topic, guys. And that's kind of like the overview, but I hope that that was helpful. Um, okay. And then Maureen, you're asking, total protein in ounces per kilogram you should try to get uh, daily. So protein is 0.8 to 1.2 milligrams per kilogram. Um, or is it grams per kilogram? no it would be milligrams per kilogram uh of ideal body weight is the official calculation um and so you can do that calculation other ways of focusing on it is especially as women sometimes we are a little low on our protein really like every meal that you have making sure you have a good portion of protein like the palm of your hand um Focusing on like, okay, what protein source am I having, and then what else am I adding to it, uh, can all be approaches. I generally like I don't count macros. I was talking about this in the uh, Facebook group earlier today because it just doesn't work for me. I don't have time to put stuff in and count macros. I've done it for a little bit. You could, out of interest, if you're like, how much protein am I getting? You could do some macro counting for like a couple of weeks, which will just give you an idea when I'm focusing on a. Um, Uh, serving a protein per meal, am I getting enough protein? Is protein something I need to be aware of or not? Um, I think that gathering that kind of data can be really helpful. So strategy to get past hunger. Uh, I think it depends a little bit on how you're eating, what type of eating you do. If you really struggle with hunger and you haven't tried a lower carb diet, I would suggest trying a lower carb way of eating. So trimming some of the starches and sugar out exactly what that looks like up to you. There's no one right way to do it. Again, I think the way that is right is the way that you feel you can sustain. Um, and adding a bit more fat into your diet because the fat uh, gives you the satiety. And I can tell you both personally and professionally, because uh, in my OBC medicine uh, program, we do a lower carb approach. Uh, in It makes a big difference. Like Stuff that I thought about myself and my hunger and the way my brain approached food really drastically changed when I switched to lower carb eating. And I've seen that in my obesity medicine group on quite a large scale of previously, we weren't doing a lower carb diet. We we're doing a partial meal replacement diet. And when we switched to the lower carb diet, uh, I could see that it was easier. And, and I got lots of feedback from people too, that their appetites were more calm. They weren't as hungry. Um, the other thing, too, and this is, again, another uh, kind of a big topic, but just to contemplate, what do you think about when you get hungry? When we experience hunger, we often think um it like almost it creates triggers like a bit of a panic, Uh like it's like an evolutionary response that we have. And so what do you think and feel when you experience hunger? And are there ways you can reframe hunger and think other thoughts that just help kind of calm you down? help your brain so you can experience hunger without it being like a panic attack, not a panic attack, like a panic button that you must find food right away. Um, I think that's an important skill too. And the difference too, though, is like if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, that hunger is like the physical feeling of hunger. I feel like it's sharper is how I experience it. Like it's like got an edge to it. I sometimes get nauseated a bit when I get hungry and it like comes on like that when i'm eating lower carb and i haven't been eating uh like the starches and stuff hunger is a little bit milder um it fades more quickly it doesn't feel physically as urgent and so it's easier to just be like okay i notice i'm hungry and i'll you know go find something when i have a chance versus you know the hunger for when you're eating carbohydrates more regularly feels more like you must find something to eat right now that's a difference i would think about it Okay, last question that I have is from Tamara about kind of chronic illness. How do you approach eating and chronic illness and the belief that you actually can be successful even with a chronic illness? And I think it comes back to the black box. So when you have a chronic illness, if you're on medications, that uh, influences your... Um, Influences your weight and your eating, your black box is just a little bit different than other people. That doesn't mean things won't work. And in particular, the thought stuff that we're doing here will work. It's just you changing you shift and you adapt it to yourself. And just notice when you have thoughts about um, like this won't work. I don't think this will work. I'm worried this won't work. Notice what that creates in your life. When you think that way, you feel a bit defeated before you even start. It's going to influence your actions. It will influence, sometimes you can't even see it. I think of it as like micro inconsistencies. Just the little bits here, a little bit there, a little bit there. That then proves the thought right. Our thoughts, are as soon as we have a thought, our brain goes to work proving that it's right. So it shows you evidence that it's right. And it creates things to make it right. I think of this like when I was teaching our kids to mountain bike and you always tell them like where you look is where you're going to go. So if you stare at the tree on the side of the trail, you will hit the tree. Stare always down the tree. So if you stare down the trail, the middle of the trail, that's where you're going to go, even around the curves. I think of this a lot in weight loss so if we stare at what we think isn't going to work that's where we're going we're going to what's not going to work if we stare down the trail at where we want to go and like for example of what we're working on in this challenge of finding a way of eating of approaching life of approaching our mindset that actually works that we enjoy we look down the trail then that's where we're going to go you may sometimes hit some trees but if you keep redirecting your thinking down that way, you will go that direction. You'll figure it out if that's a goal. But if if we stick and we hold on to the thoughts that we can't do it, that we always fail, you know, these are even if you don't have a chronic illness, these all um come up and matter, then that's what we'll keep getting. Does that make sense, guys? So thoughts direct us. In where we go and in something like weight loss, we want to choose good thoughts that actually take us where we want to go. You will still have the thoughts, the doubt, the fear that this might not work. I might be different type thoughts. That's totally fine. You don't have to engage with those thoughts is what's different. You can notice them, but then be like, yeah, but I'm going here. This is where I'm going. I'm going to that, that goal that we've, you've set for yourself. That's going to pull you down the trail. You're aiming there. All right. Hope that all helped. We covered a ton of information in this session, guys. Um, if you have more questions, if you're watching the replay, post it in the comments. I'll come in and answer. I uh, hope that helps g- give you guys some kind of fine tuning of what might uh, be helpful for you uh, as you approach kind of more of these specific issues. And then... Uh, let's keep going so tomorrow morning we have another session and we're going to talk more about like what do you actually eat and how do you approach that uh, in tomorrow's session okay we'll talk to you soon bye okay so which of those questions resonated the most with you which of those topics was most helpful for you send me an email I'd love to hear it info at weight solutions for physicians and if you are thinking about stress eating SOS again if those questions were helpful. That is what we do inside Stress Eating SOS. We, but we do it at a deeper level than what I'm able to do in these challenge sessions. Uh, we coach directly and we really work on it at a level that's much more personal and deeper. And so we get longer lasting benefits. You get more help with how you actually make these changes because we're coaching directly. Doors are open today, but they close midnight on the 15th, which is today, the day this is being released. Uh, stress eating SOS, head over to weight solutions for forward slash SOS. Weight Solutions for forward slash SOS. Have a fantastic day guys. Thank you so much for listening.